Almost half of practicing Christian millennials say evangelism is wrong. Are you familiar with that? It's a study that was uh, conducted by a group called Barna. You can find them at Barna.com. This is a, a Christian group. It's a headline that was uh, released back in February. I talked to someone yesterday at uh, Garrett's graduation party. They were familiar with this study. Maybe you are too. When I read about this and heard this, I was shocked and it quickly grabbed my attention. Maybe, hopefully, it's happened to you as well. Barna.com has a variety of information with respect to Christianity. This was actually a part of a bigger report called Reviving Evangelism. Evangelism is not just something that we discuss here at the West Main Church. There are many people who are thinking and talking about it. And while I certainly disagree with how many who were probably a part of this study did with respect to uh, becoming a Christian, I think there is something for us to consider. When I saw this, I was curious as to why so many millennials who profess to be Christians feel like it's wrong. That's one of the big things, too. Why do you feel like it's why do they feel like it's wrong to share the gospel with others. Their answers may be a little bit surprising to you. I want to just throw a couple of um, stats up here and just share a couple of things. Almost 100%, 95 to 97% of not just the millennials in this study, but all of those uh, who partook, believe that part of their faith means being a witness about Jesus. That sounds really good, right? That makes sense. They are following Jesus or proclaimed to be following Jesus. And that also means that part of that is also sharing uh, Jesus Christ with others. 94 to 97% believe the best thing to happen to someone else is to know Jesus. That's really good too. And we agree with that as well, right? Uh, So looking at that, I was a little bit surprised. And why are they saying that it's wrong uh, to evangelize? Yet many were unsure about the actual practice of evangelism. They went on to say almost half agree, at least somewhat, that it's wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in hopes that they will one day share the same faith. So half are saying, listen, it's it's not appropriate for me to do this. In fact, it's wrong for me to do this. And I want to just give you some quotes as to why they believe it's wrong. What's going on? What, what they're actually thinking about? Younger Christians, they said, tend to be more personally aware of the cultural temperature around spiritual conversations. So evidently, they're thinking about if I share this with someone, if I talk about Jesus with someone else, how are they going to respond? They went on to say that sharing the gospel today is maybe harder than at any time in recent memory by an overall cultural resistance to conversations that highlight people's differences. That's part of the thought process that's going through their minds. And then they said three out of five believe that people today are more likely than in the past to take offense if they share their faith. And so this is why they believe that this is wrong to to talk about Jesus to people around them. They would go on to say this, millennials are more likely to believe that disagreement means judgment. So in this study, looking at a number of young people who profess to be Christians, half believe that it's wrong to share their faith with someone else. 
And so the question I want us to consider this morning is this. Should we stop evangelizing? Because evidently those are at least many in the world who profess to be Christians. That's part of their, that's what they're thinking. That it just isn't appropriate to, to talk to people about Jesus. Should we share our faith with others? What do you think about that? Should both young and old alike talk about Jesus and even try to persuade others to follow him? Should we stop evangelizing? What do you think? Those stats that I gave you, did any of those kind of hit close to home? Do you feel like, you know, the, the age we live in is 2019 and everybody is looking at what everybody is saying? Everybody's looking at what you're posting, what we're posting online. And we certainly don't want to offend anyone. Has that thought process kind of creeped into our hearts and our minds and maybe even forced us to draw back just a little bit? You know, I I know I should say something. I know that what we have is true. I know we have the greatest gift ever. But I think it's almost wrong to share my faith with others. We all need to answer this question. And this morning, I think there are some thoughts from us from this study that will help us as we think about talking to others about Jesus. (coughs) Excuse me. And more importantly, we have the Word of God, which I want you to open up right now, please, to Matthew chapter 28. That will help us to, to have the proper view when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to how we view our faith, when it comes to interacting with others and really answering this question, should we stop evangelizing? That's what I want to focus on just for a few minutes. As you're turning to Matthew chapter 28, let me just answer the question right now so there's no confusion, all right? Should we stop? No. All right, now the sermon's not over. I'm just making that very clear. We're not going to stop, all right? But the mindset for many people in the world who profess to be Christians is, yeah, we should stop. It's offensive. People aren't going to buy into it. That's not us. Should we stop? Absolutely not. In Matthew chapter 28, before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his apostles, <coughs> verse 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, go, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus told his apostles to go, go and make disciples. That was their mission. That's exactly what they did. As we get into our Bible reading in the book of Acts in a couple of weeks, we're going to see that the apostles, they went and they spoke and they shared the word of God. Now, while Jesus was speaking directly to them, we too are to still go. It wasn't just the apostles that were going out into the world. Well, that was their primary mission. We find others who went out into the world and shared the gospel with men and women. Christians in the first century, brethren, were sharing their faith. In Acts chapter 8, I've used this passage a number of times because it's such a great passage. (coughs) After Stephen was murdered, Saul was in hearty agreement, verse 1, with putting him to death. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. A persecution began. 
And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, and dragging off men and women. He put them, he would put them in prison. Despite persecution, despite inconvenience, the Bible says in verse 4, Therefore those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. So it wasn't just the apostles. Those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria. We know the rest of the story as he's going to help convert many people in the city of Samaria. So we should certainly follow in the footsteps of the apostles, follow in the footsteps of the first century Christians. Now, I know we already know all this, right? We already know all of this. I did a sermon last week on evangelism, and I'm pretty sure we talked about this just this past week. So let's address some other thoughts with the rest of our time. I find it odd, and hopefully you do too, that so many young individuals who profess to be Christians would say that it is wrong to share their faith. Isn't that weird? That it's wrong, not necessarily inconvenient or maybe a little bit terrifying, but that it's wrong to share your faith with others. There's some things that I think we're going to have to hold on to and make sure that we don't have certain mindsets that will force us to maybe have this same view. And maybe we can struggle with some of this. Maybe some of us may struggle with this idea of evangelism. I think in many congregations from time to time, there are some who just may say, well, you know what, that's not really for me. Uh, You know, I know there's some other people who do a good job. We hear some sermons about it, but that's not really just for me. He did it for me. Remember what he said? He did it for me. And I think there's something there about making sure that this is personal. This isn't just about a sermon or a theme for a quarter, but this is something that is personal for us, that someone loved us enough to share Jesus with us. Jesus died on the cross for you, and he died on the cross for me. That should be our motivation. But in order to to, to maintain the zeal and to have this proper motivation as we think about others, there are some challenges that we need to overcome. And I want to just reflect upon this study for a little bit. One of the things that was said in this study is that many of these young people are not sharing their faith, that it's wrong to share their faith because people will be offended. Do you hear that? That's the challenge we're going to have to overcome. This mindset that, well, if I, if I share my faith, people may be offended with what I've said. Well, we need to talk about this for a little bit. Jesus is to be our example. In everything we do, Jesus is to be our example. We should follow in his footsteps. And Jesus provides a model when it comes to talking to others, even when it may be challenging. We talk in the same way that Jesus did, with truth and with compassion. With truth and compassion. With truth and with love. One of the best examples of this idea of individuals being offended where we find Jesus talking about three conversations that would would absolutely be potentially offensive to someone is found in John chapter 4. We're not going to read all of John chapter 4. We don't have time. <coughs> but what I want you to think about, we know the story where Jesus, passing through Samaria, he's tired and he's thirsty in verse 6. He asked the woman, a woman in verse 7 of Samaria to draw, who was drawing water, he asked her, give me a drink. We know the rest of this story. We know that the Samaritan woman said in verse 9, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? 
Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Jesus is going to help this woman to see that she is lacking something in her life. She needs something that he can provide to her. He's going to talk about salvation. That's not the only thing he's going to talk about. He's going to talk about her sin. He's going to help her to recognize that there is something in her life that is not right, that's something that is wrong. Uh, In verse number 16, he would ask her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have correctly said I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. Whoa. Hold on a second. That's potentially really offensive. Yeah, I know we're talking about Jesus. And yet he's, he's, he's going right to the matter. There's a problem in your life. He's talking about her marriage now, and he's talking about salvation. And then later on in the chapter, in verse number 20, she said, Our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And you people say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming. When neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? You worship what you don't know. You've had five husbands and the one you're married to is not, you shouldn't be with him. You're lacking something with respect to your salvation. Jesus spoke to this Samaritan woman about really big topics That in our society, many people would certainly view as being offensive in nature. But good things happened because he talked to this woman. You know what happened? She spoke to other individuals. She spoke to other individuals at the end of John chapter 4, towards the end. And verse number 40, it says, So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. Many more believed. Because of his, because of her word. Jesus, he not only spoke to the Samaritan woman, but he spoke to tax collectors and um, prostitutes and with a religious elite, and his mission was to save. That required sharing the truth with who he was and recognizing how much they needed him and the problem that they had with respect to sin. Did, did he offend some people? Absolutely. But that's what truth will do. Because truth will force us to come to a conclusion. It will force individuals to come to a conclusion. Think about the Apostle Paul. Remember in Acts 17, when Paul was in Athens, in Acts chapter 17, he was so vexed in his spirit, so fired up, looking at all the idols that he saw around in Athens. He said, I have to speak. This idea of not saying a word, not evangelizing, that never crossed the mind of Paul. He said, I have to say something here. Because he saw what these individuals were doing and conducting, and he would begin to have a conversation. And he would say in verse 22, men of Athens, I observe that you're very religious in all respects. And he would talk about God, the true and living God. And yet at the end of his, uh, at the end of his lesson in verse 32, after he shared with them Jesus and the resurrection from the dead, now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some began to sneer. I think some of them probably were a little bit offended or put off. What do you mean this resurrection from the dead? And yet that didn't stop Paul from sharing the gospel in the city of Athens. Brothers and sisters, should we stop evangelizing because some people may become offended? Oh boy, you got the the second point. The answer to that is no. That shouldn't stop us at all. 
Now, let me be very clear. Our mission is not to offend anyone. We're not trying to go out and create enemies or, or anything like that. Our mission is not to offend, but rather to speak truth in love. That's what we're, do, that's what we're called to do. But I will tell you this, brothers and sisters, the gospel has a way of forcing people to decide. It has a way of forcing people to decide. We need to trust more in God's word and the power of the gospel instead of worrying about what is someone going to say if I share my faith with them. Should we stop evangelizing? The answer to that is no. But this may be a potential challenge we're going to have to overcome that this idea Well, look, people are going to be offended, so I'm just not going to say anything. That cannot be our thought process. We will not be successful if that is our mentality. We are to share the gospel. We are the ones that we we have the truth in our hands, and we need to make sure others have it. Another challenge, though, and I already put it up there. I'll put it back back, is that in the study they said, well, people may feel like I'm not tolerant. And so almost half of those who profess to be Christian, Christian millennials, say it's wrong for me to talk to somebody else about Jesus because people will feel like I'm not tolerant. When speaking about tolerance, I think we need to define our term. Are we talking about being able to have a difference of opinions and still respecting a person? Or are we talking about the more modern definition of you have to agree with everything I believe? And you have to endorse everything that I believe. You see, many in our society, when speaking about tolerance, I think have that view that that you have to agree with everything I believe and you have to fully endorse it and even share it with others. You must agree that same-sex marriage is okay. You must believe that drinking is okay. You must believe that abortion is okay, that cohabitation is okay. You must believe sex before marriage is okay. You must believe, and you must be on the same page with me that divorce for any reason is okay. And as Paul would say, other sins like these. You see, the view that many people have in our society today is this idea of being tolerant is just endorsing and believing everything and not saying anything, even if you oppose something that is out there. Yet what do we find in the Scriptures? What we find in the Word of God? We find that Christians shared the gospel even with those, even when people didn't always agree. Even when people were living in different ways. And they shared it again in a spirit of truth and love. They were respectful in the way that they did it. And that's a pattern that we are to find. You look again in Acts chapter 17. In Acts chapter 17, Paul went into the synagogues. He would do this all the time. He's going into a place where people have different views. And yet he's going to go in there and share, explain, reason from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. According to Paul's custom, he went to them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and giving evidence that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead. He was trying to argue or persuade these individuals to believe that Jesus indeed is the Messiah. And not every one of them believed. Yet Paul was still respectful to them. He still did it in a proper and respectful way. Even in Acts chapter 26, remember in Acts 26 where Paul was talking to King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26? I love this example because it helps us to see not everyone is just going to fully buy into the gospel. King Agrippa wasn't fully persuaded. But I want you just to notice how Paul interacted with King Agrippa. King Agrippa had some different views apparently. The Bible says in verse 27, Paul said, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do. Paul said, listen, I know you know these things, Agrippa. Agrippa replied to Paul, in a short time, 
you will persuade me to become a Christian. So he was believing some of the things that Paul said. He said, in a short amount of time, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. But we don't know whether or not he became a Christian or not. But watch how Paul responded. Paul didn't utter uh, names to him or, or look down upon. Paul said, I would wish to God that whether in a short or long time, not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. So while Paul, well, this man did not become converted to Jesus Christ, Paul still responded in a respectful way. This idea of tolerance, that people may not feel like I'm tolerant, is this idea that, well, you just have to, you can't say anything about the way that I may be living. I want you to think about this for a second. Look over in Acts chapter 18, and just think about this for a second. In Acts chapter 18, when Paul was in Corinth, remember in Acts chapter 18, look what happened in verse number 8. Read this with me, please. In Acts 18 and verse 8, Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believed in the Lord with all of his household. And many of the Corinthians, many of the Corinthians, when they heard, I'm just going to show you how, what we have to do to be saved, when they heard, were believing and being baptized. They heard, they believed, and they were baptized. Now think about this. What if Paul, when he got to Corinth, said, I know how these people are living. If I share with them the gospel, they may view or think that I'm not really tolerant. Can you imagine if Paul had that mindset going into the city of Corinth? That wasn't his mindset, brethren. His mindset was Jesus died, risen from the grave. These individuals need salvation. We know that's what he was thinking. And we know that Paul did not have this mindset, well, people may be offended. Again, he wasn't trying to make people offended or mad or anything like that. He's trying to teach the truth. But his mindset was, well, I'm not going to say anything. It's wrong for me to say something because they may say I'm not tolerant. Remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we get a peek inside the city of Corinth. We get to see some of the the lifestyles that these individuals repented of and how they were transformed by the power of the gospel. And verse number 9, or do you not know in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. We stop there, but we need to keep on reading. Such were some of you. That's who you used to be. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the spirit of our God, these individuals, they had the gospel shared to them. And thank goodness that they did because they were changed. They were saved from their sins. But if Paul had this mindset, they're not going to think I'm tolerant. Think how much different those, those lives would have been. Should we stop evangelizing because some people may feel like we're not tolerant? May it never be. God forbid. No. Keep sharing the gospel with others. But I will tell you, if so many people out in the world are thinking this or who have this mindset, who are trying to follow God, 
probably the case that some of us here too are also having maybe this mindset. And this is a challenge that we have to overcome. You know, we want to help people. We want people to go to heaven. And while having conversations may be difficult and relationships may change, there is something far worse. I'm talking about eternity here. Should we stop evangelizing, though? Because somebody may say that I'm not tolerant. No. Better than stop anybody else. We have something far greater. May it never be. Back in that study, they said more than ever, it's just too hard to share the gospel. In this day and age, it's just too hard to share the gospel. That, my friend, is simply false. Too hard to share the gospel. Do we really understand how hard it was to share the gospel in the first century? I mean, do we really understand what they went through? Can I just share with you a couple of verses here? Acts chapter 5 and verse 18. I'm going to give you four verses. Acts chapter 5 and verse number 18. Look at Acts chapter 5 and verse number 18. And all I want you to do is just listen to, him, listen to this. And then I want you to ask yourself, where we live here in Louisville, Denton, Frisco, wherever you may live, is it really too hard for us? And maybe that's not our mindset. Hopefully that's not. But if it is, it's the challenge we're going to have to overcome. Is it really too hard for us to share the gospel? I want you to think about what our brethren went through in the first century. Verse 18, they laid hands on the apostles and put them in a public jail. No one has laid hands on me, given a card out at Panera Bread. It hasn't happened yet. Even having a Bible study with someone who disagreed, no one has laid hands on me. I thought one person might, but he didn't. So no one has laid hands on me. Acts chapter 5 and verse 40. They took his advice, and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then they released them. That is yet to happen to me or anyone else I know who is striving to, to do the will of God here. In Acts chapter 8 and verses 1 through 4, we already read that, but go back there again. In Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, and, and verse number 1, we're not going to read all this again. But they, they were scattered. The, the, the church in Jerusalem, they were scattered. Saul, verse 3, was ravaging the church, entering house after house and dragging off men and women. I have yet to see anyone on my ring come to my door trying to drag me away because of preaching the gospel, even doing sermons like this or other controversial sermons. Folks, that's not happening to us. In the first century, it was hard. It was challenging. And I think what's happened is we've become almost a little bit spoiled here. We have it so good here in America. You realize that, right? We, man, we have it so good here. We can talk about anything we want. Go to China and try that. It's going to be a different ball game. Go to different countries, and it's a different ball game. You go to Zimbabwe. Hey, we support Warren Scotes. He's one of the, the gospel preachers we support in Africa. You want to do something? Send him an email and ask him to share some of the work there. He's been held at gunpoint doing the will of God. That's hard. And he goes back into the country Zimbabwe at least once a month. I was there for one week, and I was ready to go. But he does that every month. That's hard. That's challenging. What we have here is an excellent opportunity. In Acts 7 and verse 59, they went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. That's persecution. What was interesting, Cindy, am I right? Russ's sister, 
Robin. When I was talking to Robin yesterday, they live overseas. And it was interesting because she was saying many of, of Christians over there are praying that Christians in America will suffer persecution. I thought that was interesting. Do you like the sound of that? I don't know if I necessarily like the sound of that, but the point is so many Christians in other areas are being persecuted, and yet they see, you know what, there's really very little persecution here and the opportunities that we have here. Brothers and sisters, is it really too hard to share the gospel in 2019? The answer to that is no. But I will tell you, we live in such a politically correct world where pluralism, the the view that all religions are the same. It doesn't matter what you believe. It is promoted and endorsed, and that's not true. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus makes that very clear. But what's being promoted in our world so much are these views that, you know, to say anything now, you're going to upset someone. Because of where we are in our society. And so a lot of people view this now as, well, it's just too hard to say anything. We can't say anything. It's too hard. That's false. That's not true at all. In the first century, that was hard. And certainly by no means am I trying to to, to, to look down upon difficult situations that all of us have faced with sharing the gospel or family dynamics or whatever the case may be. But when you really compare what happened in the first century, it's a whole other ballgame that we are facing today. Should we stop evangelizing? The answer to that is no. Brothers and sisters, we have work to do. We must trust in the power of the gospel. It was effective in the first century. It will be effective today in the 21st century. We continue to see that. There are hearts out there searching. Our responsibility is to trust in the gospel and maybe to overcome some of these challenges. The gospel has a way of offending people at times. The gospel, it it, it has a way of forcing people to, to, to make some decisions. The question is, do we really believe in the power of the gospel? Does the resurrection of Jesus Christ still move us? Do we still have that flame, understanding the power of the resurrection? And the fact that we were delivered from the bondage of sin. Have we allowed our society to influence our thinking so much that there really is no longer a right or a wrong? That it's wrong to say what is right? And that we should just remain silent? Have we bought into the lies that we just can't really know the truth? Does it really make any difference that we believe anything? Well, of course But these may be some challenges we are going to have to overcome. As you know, our theme this quarter is unevangelism. I want to conclude just by saying this. We have the greatest gift. We have the greatest gift in Christ. Don't ever be ashamed of who you are as a Christian. You've been set free from the bondage of sin. Don't ever be ashamed of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Don't ever be ashamed of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible is true. Don't be ashamed of God's word. Don't be ashamed to share with others what the Bible has to say because many people are not getting that today. And for the young people, don't be normal. Don't be normal. And what I mean by that, normal today is almost accepting whatever society says to be true. You stand on what God says. You stand on the truth. Christianity is not about just what happens between these walls. Go out there and show the world. This is what we are supposed to do. Show the world how, uh, how someone has come to, to deliver us from our biggest problem. 
Go out and help someone the greatest way you can by shining your light, by giving them an opportunity to know Jesus just as someone gave you and me an opportunity to know Jesus. Moms and dads, you have, you have your field right in your home. That's the first place we begin. Those are souls that need to come to know who the true and living God is. Don't stop speaking. Don't stop shining your light. Don't stop sharing the message of Jesus Christ. Our mission is to go and make disciples. And when we fully buy into this and believe it, things are going to go amazing. That's our mission. Should we stop evangelizing? The answer to that is no. Maybe someone is here this morning because someone invited you here. If you want to study, we'd love to study the Word of God with you. To the Christians here, I want to encourage you. Those in the evangelism class, you've already heard this, but I want to encourage you. Out in the foyer, we have those cards. I'm not saying that one card is just going to convert someone automatically. We've got to put work into it. It may take one year or it may take longer when it comes to talking with other people. But let's get in the habit of just talking to people. Let's just get in the habit of looking for those opportunities. Let's pray for the people that we know, people in our homes, people in our families, people that we're going to see tomorrow at work. And let's pray for confidence and boldness to share with them the truth of Jesus Christ. Let's get those cards out and let's invite people and watch what will happen. We have the care group meetings in the back. Let's attend those when it's our time to attend. Let's follow up with those visitors as we do, and let's encourage them. You never know the impact that a card, that a phone call will have. Let's give individuals opportunities to know the truth. Let's not stop evangelizing. If you're in need of salvation, come now as we stand and as we sing.